0: People are just lazy. If you want to do big things, you gotta have big commitments and realize, well, you didn't have your shows didn't go viral. But no, all I wanted is all I need is one person new. Just Mm -hmm. one person new and it's worthwhile. You never know that one person is.
1: Hello, hello, welcome to the five talents podcast. I'm your host Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you wanna become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too, you're gonna learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're gonna share their blueprints for success and I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello. Hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. Today, we are graced with one of the most hardworking, determined, somebody with high perseverance to push out a ton of content, help others just live this reciprocity game. And I'm super excited and humbled to have him on our show, Mr. Scott Carson. Scott, How's it going, sir?
0: I am doing great, buddy. It is nice to be uh, talking with another fellow Texas podcaster out there and a real estate investor. I'm just up I-35. San Antonio was home for a while for me. Used to live off 1604 and over in in that neck of the woods, but- I live up just up the road, up I thirty five in Austin, yeah. Texas, man. So I
1: love it. Scott's right up the road for me. What I'm San Antonio. It's just this I thirty five corridor, which some of you out of state investors may have heard about. It's growing up, blowing like crazy. But we wanted to, you know, bring Scott on because he's got an amazing perspective that I think everyone's going to learn a lot from on this show. And Scott, you know, I'm going to have him, you know, really dig into his background, but man, he is a beast in the podcasting side of the house. He told me he did 100 shows this year and 100 last year. His own podcast has about 650 shows. And he is all into you know capital raising, investor relations, notes, and really, I'll let him introduce himself. <laughs> Scott, you do a ton of stuff, man. And you've had a, such a successful track record. Let me let you talk about you know, your background.
0: No problem. Thanks, table. Yeah, I've been an active real estate investor for almost 20 years and come from the, the banking and finance side of things. Mortgage, you know, I ran a mortgage company here in Austin, Texas from 2004 to 2008. And then, you know, we we're doing residential and commercial stuff. Primarily, 90% of our business was working with real estate investors in 30 states. And when the music stopped in 2008, I jumped ship from the origination side to the distressed debt side. We were doing short sales, but I also started buying distressed mortgages on residential and commercial properties. And actually, a lot of my first few deals were buying apartment loans, buying debt for 50 cents on the dollar or 35 cents of value, You know, 20 unit, 30 unit, 50 units, 80 units. We bought a, a note on a 300 unit apartment complex in Indianapolis for like 25 cents on the dollar. Wow. You know, worked it through to regentrify it and sold it off at the auction and made a buku chunk of money. Heck yeah. You know, and so with everything being like it is, it's been an interesting ride the last 12 years. You know, we've we've closed on a couple thousand transactions, closed on over a half a billion dollars in debt purchases, most of it with other people's money. And we've had our fair share of ups, we've got our fair shares of downs, good deals, home runs, singles, doubles, and some strikeouts along the way. But I think that's when you're in real estate, that happens. But you know, the beautiful thing is, is I think there's such an opportunity, especially in the commercial space, in the multifamily space, still to this day. A lot of people talk about it being overcrowded. But I think with everything that's going on in the market right now, I think 2021, if you know how to pivot a little bit or how to market yourself a little bit differently, how to dive into a different asset class you might be coming out smelling pretty good at the end of the year and making some money these days. I know you're smiling. I know I'm smiling all the way to the bank.
1: (laughs) I love it. That's exactly what we're doing. We're smiling and having a good time all the way to the bank, man. And I love Scott just hearing his background. Like 2,000 transactions, anybody that does anything 2,000 times has had some goods, some bad, some ups and downs and all around and there's so much insight and knowledge, and so you're, you know, one of those individuals that I, would, you know, call your expert category, man. And then uh, multifamily, single-family residential notes. Half? Do you say half a billion dollars
0: in debt? Yep, over five hundred million dollars. And actually, it's closer to a B these times around. I started going back and look because I wasn't really keeping track of it, but I know it was over half a billion. Yeah. In debt purchases, you know, and you know, sometimes we bought two hundred notes, sometimes we bought sixty, sometimes we bought one-offs. It's just. Such an interesting ride the last 12 years, man.
1: Yeah. And I'm assuming didn't have this much cash in your pocket. How in the world did you buy half a billion dollars worth of
0: debt? Two ways. One, you got to find some deals. Could good deals find money? We, I think yep. we can agree to that. Yep. Secondly, I've been a marketer because when I left the mortgage industry in 2000, I didn't have that much money because of the market taking a dump, you know? my last two big fix and flips, I wrote checks to the table. You want to receive checks when you're closing, not <laughs> write checks when you're closing. You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. And so, and so with everything being in the uproar back 2008, 9, I just had to start marketing because I didn't have a lot of capital. And I was getting these lists and lists, or we call them tapes in the note industry, spreadsheets with all these different asset classes that I just started marketing. I started marketing on Facebook and LinkedIn, took my database of business cards that I'd met from traveling the country and all the investors I was meeting at meetup groups, real estate clubs and I would send an email out once a week hey here's a deal deal of the week that we're working on and that started leading to a lot of notoriety out there from people that started referring me started referring investors to me. Hey, one of the biggest things that really changed out my business Ables in 2010, i was sitting there watching TV, thinking about the start of baseball season. They had these baseball commercials, you know, $5 for a hot dog, $10 for a beer, seeing every major league baseball park with your son priceless. I was like, man, I would love to travel the country and go see that. So I wrote my goals down to go visit all 30 baseball parks. And at the same time, I was writing blogs and doing videos on YouTube about specific deals. And what I was focused on, on a daily basis, and I started having real estate investment clubs reach out to me. And in a matter of like a week, I had five clubs, meetup groups reach out to me to ask me if I wanted to come speak to their club about debt. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, when do you want me to come speak? And the days they wanted me to come speak lined up perfectly with this fictional baseball tour. So divine intervention, man, you know what I mean? And so I said, "Okay, all right, God. So I sold everything I own. Except my dog and my truck. And I jumped in the truck. And what I thought would be 30 weeks of traveling the country turned into almost four years of nonstop travel and speaking and teaching and buying and, and oh walking gosh. into banks and asset managers at banks and from Miami to California and just about everywhere in between. So it's been an interesting ride. And that was one of the big things that really kind of changed my business. That was back in 2010. And then we've just, I've just been known as the Note Guy because we share our journey online. We do, we got a ton of YouTube videos before I ever started a podcast. I'm just a big believer that if you give people the tools, those that are interested, the five percenters out there that really are going to do something, they'll take what you're offering and understand the value of it and run with it and do some amazing things. The five percenters.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that's such a small percentage of people. You know, and I think about like when I started the real estate education journey, I was a seminar conference guy, went Mm to a bunch of different ones and, you know, got convinced. I say convinced, but made the decision fork over some money. That wasn't the action part. Even though it was hard to fork over the first, you know, education package, it was like 20 grand. I'm like, what in the world? But really a bunch of people were with me that we all spent 20 grand. And after a number of few conferences, three, four, you know, the educational sessions, I started like not seeing any of the same people that I signed up with and they spent the money and they didn't even, they didn't act. Right. So the 5%. That's hard. And I looked around, I go, man, there's 20 grand on the hook. You got to at least make your money back. And there was a good number of people, 95% of people that well, I never saw again.
0: You know, that just makes me feel like, you know, just feel horrible. I want to scream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Out there. <laughs> <laughs> because if yeah. you're going to spend 20 grand, you better, I mean, that's the motivation and stuff. But there's been a lot of, oh, I'm just putting a credit card. It's not really my money. I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh, I got to work to pay that sucker off, you know? Mm hmm. You know, if I'm going to learn something, and I was really blessed for like uh, from 2004 to 2008 when I was traveling the country, working with investors and stuff like that, is I had a uh, before I, I jumped on the note side, we were doing all these seminars, you know, origination. I was doing mortgages back in 2004. And for four years, I had like an apprenticeship with one of the best note guys in the industry who taught me the, the, the creative side of financing, 72's, yeah. yeah, taught me the commercial side of note. So I was really lucky to have that kind of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Early on, before everything hit the fan in 2008, so yeah, education, mentorship, having a coach well worth it. I mean, I, to this day, I, I know you do the same thing, believe in it. If you get if you want to go to a next level, hire a coach to get you there, you know, yeah,
1: you got to, and then you have to take the action that they're yes. telling you to do you know, since joined a number of programs, I have a one-on-one coach. I'm in a mastermind. And every time I kind of get into it, it leads me to the next, you know, whatever that is, next deal, next mindset, next paradigm I keep, you know, acting and and make it happen. But uh, let me go back though, because you said a lot of great things, find deals. Number one, the way you found those deals, like you said, Hey, marketing like crazy, finding the tapes, the tapes in the note business, forgive me for not understanding, okay. but is that, is that literally like, hey, here's the owner, here's the amount that they owe, and here's you know the, the property, and then you got to hunt them down and find that so person, just, to reach out to them, or what? Here's
0: the beautiful thing about being in the note space. I don't usually deal with the borrowers. So okay. I'm dealing directly with banks, and the okay. banks okay. have a list of, I guess you say they're problem children, yes. problem borrowers. So they do send us a spreadsheet with the loans that they're looking to sell. And then we often will see, okay, when was the last payment made? What's the balance? Who's the borrower? Their FICO? What's the value of the property? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We, and so on residential, it's pretty easy to figure out values. On apartments, sometimes they'll have the financials, or other times you got to become Sherlock Holmes and try to make create the yeah. financials because the borrower is not being responsive.
1: They were probably in there for a reason. And one of those reasons, they probably didn't keep their books very well. Oh, exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. Or they just, you know, yeah. and, and other things can happen. I mean, craziness, sure. COVID you know we see that that right now in a lot of areas especially in student yeah. housing being vacant and stuff but so then you basically are negotiating with the bank after you're doing some due diligence on the property the borrower i mean i've been chased out of a few places when i was walking properties before it happens yeah it happens, it happens you know we buy the debt usually at a substantial discount so it, it gives us the opportunity to come in and then once we've closed on the note reaching out to the borrower and say hey we're now the bank we're the new bank exactly You owe this, but let's work something out that makes sense for you.
1: If you get a discount, if you're buying it for 60% on the dollar, then you're trying to take the spread of the equity or, you know, maybe get creative like you're saying, right?
0: Well, the biggest bang for our buck is always to try to keep the borrowers in the properties, whether it's single family or multifamily. Yeah. And because a lot of borrowers, they get six, 12 months behind, they don't have the full amount to bring to the table. So if we can say, okay, can you start paying on time again? Or can we do a trial payment plan get you back on track? Mm -hmm. You know, if you pay on time, get back on track for 12 months, then we'll talk about modifying the loan or adjusting what's owed if you're way upside down. Or, hey, just sign the property over to us and walk away and we'll take away all those nightmares and we'll be left with it.
1: Yeah. However you want to do it. But if you can get them to pay and make it a producing note for you, then you're less headache, less work, and the money's coming in. Or... You have to do a little more work, but then there's some upside there. Okay, you know, the nice thing
0: in the, in the note business too, especially when you start getting above that $1 million loan amount, a lot of times if you're buying a non-performing loan, but you've got a team and you can show the bank that you've got a management team behind you or operations where it's not you, you've got a team. Sometimes the bank's willing to carry the paper on that non-performing note. So, okay, you're going to buy it, take over receivership in it. Okay, great. We'll go ahead and carry the paper for seventy five. Percent of what we agreed upon, and then it's like okay, great, or even like we did one it was a hundred percent carry. Wow. So we got in, we basically the bank I, gave you a hundred percent. The <laughs> bank gave us a hundred percent
1: because they yeah. didn't want to
0: take. They don't want to be in the property management side, and yeah. so we basically put it, it was a short term twelve month loan. We got it regentrified, finished up the foreclosure, and sold it off, and paid the bank. You know, saved the bank from having a million dollar bad loan on their books anymore, which affects yeah. them. And we yeah. was a win win across the board.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. This is great insight, Scott. So we've got a couple different type of listeners and maybe we can frame the, you know, kind of the next points, right? Sure. We have passive investors that are trying to learn and educate themselves on the best place to put their money. Yep. You know, we talk about multifamily commercial real estate a ton. I ha- I do have some other commercial real estate guests, you know, like yourself in the peripheral that uh, you do a ton. It's commercial real estate also just on the note side, but the other part is like a new general partner, so somebody like a new principal. They're trying to find their first deal, maybe their second or third, and you know they're just trying to learn a little bit more, so they can be good operators and good stewards of people's money too. So those think of those two reference points, right? Now the money and the capital that you raised that came from you mentioned business cards, people you knew in the professional world, and you just started making, you know, you started reaching out, so maybe. And help us guide us into this. What did you do to raise capital in the beginning and how do you do it now? man?
0: So you, I think the biggest thing is most people have to realize these days we're not in the note business or the multifamily business. First and foremost, we're all in the media business. We're all competing for eyes and ears. And going back 12 years ago, we didn't have us podcasts or YouTube wasn't as big as it was now. So I just started sharing my journey you know, I started sharing what I was working on. Here's a deal that I could pick up at 50 cents of the dollar. It's an eight unit apartment complex in San Diego. I had a picture. Here's what rough rates are. Bank is owed 548,000. The property is roughly about 750. We can pick it up at 375. Yeah. So we want to pay 425, that's a $50,000 wholesale fee or best offer. And that was one of the ways that we started doing is just sharing what we were working on and not being afraid to share it. You know, there's times I had like this old flip camera that Dell produced. It was like a little mini portable video camera. I'm out walking in an apartment complex <laughs> in 116 degree heat in Austin, Texas sweats running down my face on video, but I'm just sharing the journey. Yeah. yeah. You know, and people are like, Oh my gosh, I want to, I, I like what this guy does. I, he's not perfect. You know, I screw up, you know, I forget what I'm saying. Sometimes I'll cuss occasionally, you know, but it's <laughs> just people like seeing that journey people would yeah. start seeing my journey from the the individual deal to the bigger deal. And I wasn't afraid to share my ups and downs. This was a great deal. Oh, this didn't turn out to be a good deal. Why? Well, because we found this and this. And so we moved on. We said next. And I just started getting in a regularity. You know, I had an email that went went out once a week to my database. I would post almost daily on, on LinkedIn and Facebook. And when I would go to a different city, I would coordinate my visit around the big real estate investment clubs in that area.
1: And, of course, the ballparks. but Yes, of
0: course, the ballparks <laughs> came into that. Okay. But that was always on the schedule. So I would have a meetup up and looking at the baseball and ESPN. Okay, can, t- tonight let's go to a meetup group, and yeah. tomorrow night we'll go to the ball game. You know what I mean? Who's start, who's yeah. a starting pitcher? You know what I mean? Do that kind of stuff. But that's the thing. People don't realize that meetup.com is free. I mean, if you, you can join multiple groups all across the country and be tapped into 50 people to 5,000. Mm -hmm. and you just have to do a little bit of extra work. We talked about the extra 5%. I was doing to do a little bit, 5% more each day. That was like three more phone calls, three more posts at the end of the week, and just get the word out and and just built consistencies and shared video. And when people, I would get people like, hey, I've watched all your videos for the last six months, I want to invest with you. Or I've watched, I've been, one lady called me and she's like, you're the only white man in my bedroom at night. So I was like, whoa, okay, great. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, that's awesome. She's like, yeah, I got, I got a hundred day. Let's do a deal. Let's help me find a deal. I was like, okay, great. And so that's, that was the big thing to find deals in marketing. And when it comes to, I, I applied similar things to finding deals with notes. I'm not dealing with borrowers or not really dealing com- initially with commercial brokers. Like a lot of people use, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with special asset managers and whole loan traders inside these, some of these bigger banks. And so I built a list of these guys. I would I would dial for dollars, like fifty to hundred phone calls at least twice a week. Fifty
1: to hundred, twice a week. Okay, yeah, so yeah. jam pack a day, and that's all what you, all you did.
0: Exactly. I'd have a list, and I would just dial for dollars. I I found like I'm a fud at the end of the day from talking so much, you know, my yeah, thumbs yeah. off blowing. Well but then I would put them in a, in a database, and I would email them once a month. Hey, what do you have in your books this quarter, or what do you have your books on the books this month? And I would get people that would concert contacting me three months after or four months of getting the same email. They called it the green email because I had the background green. And if they opened, it, it was green everywhere. Cause that's my color and it branded me. Email. You yeah, know? And they're like, I, I have something now, or Hey, something came across my desk from up here, contact them. Here's a list for you. And so that's what I did. I didn't have it. You know, I was divorced at the time. I uh, didn't have any little ones running around that I know of anyway. You know, I was just, Bust and yeah. butt. And, you, could and you could grind. You oh, could grind every yeah.
1: single day, and no one's going to tell you to stop or yeah, come exactly. visit. You know, yeah, you just grind. Okay, man, that's amazing. That's a lot of hustle and a lot of effort. And out of all this time, when did you start like scaling up? What does your team look like today? You started yourself. Tell us about this little scaling of your That's
0: that's a really good question because I think most investors are uh, jack of all trades. They try to be. Yeah, You know, they try, oh, I'm going to go look at the property. I'm going to pull comps and pull title. No, that's the biggest mistake you could ever make. Mm-hmm. And so immediately early on, I started leveraging other people and other networks and stuff like that. We talked about Meetup as a great way to build networks and find other investors. But I also I hired VAs, virtual assistants to pull due diligence and photos and do some online stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a full-time marketing person I hired about six months into that she would do things for me. Mm-hmm, from posting mm-hmm. or even like I send her a, a spreadsheet and she would pull photos, the assets or the properties. And then it's okay. Here's what I want you to put, say on the, the message. And she would do that. And she would then use like buffer or Hootsuite to yeah. auto synchronize the marketing. You know? So I've still, with note investing, you can run with a pretty lean team because a lot of the workout is done by vendors with like our servicing company who's dealing with the, the borrowers. They're the mm-hmm. ones that are doing the borrower outreach. They're collecting the payments. Uh, yeah. If we've got to take it the legal route, then we hire real estate attorneys that handle the foreclosure. You know, So I've got a, I get a full-time okay. gal that works for me who used to work for my servicing company. She handles a lot of my portfolio on the, the residential side. Commercial assets, it's a whole different thing. I'm a little more aggressive on reviewing that with our team and management side. And then we've got a couple of VAs that are still doing due diligence for us. But it's all about finding and putting a team together. You know, We like to leverage local realtors, you know, yeah. local investors to bring them on for stuff. And so that's why I'm very advocate about like, you'll hear me say again, meet up in local real estate club. You can find a lot of people and actually make more money and live a better life than trying to do it all yourself.
1: Agreed. (laughs) I I was in single family for 10 years with me and my wife. So I wasn't alone, but it was me and my wife. We would save the money ourselves. We'd go buy the deal ourselves. We would hold and rent and landlord the deals ourselves. And at about 10 properties, we're like, this is dumb. (laughs) And it wasn't until commercial real estate that we started partnering, you know, with other people. Yeah. It just makes a lot of sense to partner in general for this kind of stuff. And then, you know, VA assistant, people that help me on the acquisition side, people that help me in the marketing side and got podcast team now. I'm like, oh, I've got a team. But anyways, it's a big team. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the five talents podcast. After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country. As many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to, I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest. And I'd love to set up a time to talk.
0: Well, that's the thing is, it's not as difficult as most people think it is. The number one most important hire is hiring that first assistant. A first assistant should make you a hundred grand because they're doing all the bullshit stuff that you don't need to be doing. Yeah. You know, the the callbacks, the recording and some of the easy marketing, some of the follow-up just the scheduling stuff that needs to be done to make sure that you're more profitable in your hourly, whether you're working full time Mm -hmm. at this or it's a part-time side hustle and an assistant can be working during the times that you're not, whether it's local or virtual. And that's, I think that's the most valuable thing for any investor out there, make a list of everything you're not getting done Mm -hmm. and figure out what it's costing you. And you'll find (laughs) the money really fast to hire a VA for 10 to 20 hours a week. Right.
1: (laughs) You brought me back to that mindset because that, this was my side hustle towards the end. I was working W2 uh-huh. job. I was a working professional IT sales leader. And so I, I made a good you know chunk of coin yeah. there, but where some people that I, that I met that went through the same education, they were like, I don't have time to do what you're doing. And I go, neither do I, but I hired uh, an assistant to help me implement this stuff. And it's her 30, 40 hours a week. And she's helping me put this together and we did that, you know, a year, year and a half before we kind of ended up quitting the W-2 and kind of go full-time. But yeah, man, it just you have to leverage your team and be willing to spend the money to realize you're going to make more money, you know?
0: God. And, that's, and that's the thing is a lot of people, you know, you have to value your hour. I think that's one of the biggest things, valuing your time as a real estate investor. If you want to make a hundred grand, well, that means you're, you need to value your time at 250 an hour. And if you're doing stupid stuff below 250, then you're costing yourself money. But if you hire somebody at 10 bucks an hour to do that job, now you just cloned yourself. You just made another 250 technically because you just added an hour to it. And that's that's the best way to do it. And a lot of people think, well, what would I have a VAD? Well, you could have them marketing for you. You could have them prospecting for investors. You could jump, jump on the county records and start pulling IRA investors in the cities you like and mailing postcards or yell letters or reaching out to them online. It's just so many things that pay off dramatically in a short term if you just actually I- implement it and start it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, okay. Well, this has been an amazing conversation so far, Scott. And what I'd love to do is kind of shape it a little bit. Yep. You know, talk to us about like what's going on today in multifamily. You, you know, you're seeing notes that aren't performing. You're seeing the like you said, the bank's problem child. And I'd like to know what those problem children are in multifamily, what you're seeing to come across your plate. And, you know, let's start there.
0: Yeah. So we, I think we can all agree that the CMBS market took a $50 billion loss in February and March as the markets dropped off. And Mm -hmm. there's, a I mean, this time around it's a little different than it was 12 years ago. The regional banks are actually banks actually finance more of this commercial stuff than beforehand when it was mostly wall street. And so the biggest opportunity we are Mm -hmm. seeing right now I and mean, this comes not just from me, but what we're seeing come across our books and from the hedge funds, is that sub five million dollar value asset. Okay, sub five
1: million bucks, okay. sub five
0: because anything five million over Wall Street's gonna try to double that because they can write a check and get cheap money to do it. You know, Those guys, those yeah, bastards, they can. those, those guys. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but that but that means there's a lot of opportunity in that sub million, sub five million mark. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the first thing. The second thing that we're seeing a lot of, while apartments have still done well, still a really good collection right? We have seen the default rate jump up a little bit, but we've seen it more jump up, oh, the college housing market, which Mm -hmm. is apartments because kids aren't going to school, remote learning. And so I think that's the biggest opportunity is somebody to come in, pick up some college housing, hold on to it for two to three years, let people get back to normal because kids will go back to school. They're going to get
1: back eventually. Vaccines come out and time goes on. And, you know, yeah.
0: I wouldn't be looking at small markets. I would be looking at your like big 12, SCC, ACC, your big uh, power five colleges, yeah, or maybe they're
1: going to be there. Yeah.
0: yeah or the a one or the division one colleges too, uh, because that's going to be the thing. And I would keep your sorting to, to markets that have at least 50,000 or more instead of the really small college towns. Cause those are the ones that are going to are, may not recover at all. Yeah, and so looking at that, I would also be flexible. I've seen some interesting things happen up. I was reading an article today that in places like New York, where they're seeing a huge amount of increase in office space going into the fall, them talking about converting that to apartments, affordable mm-hmm. housing. And so I've got a couple of our, our students who are taking that to another level. They're looking at like smaller hotels and motels, mm-hmm. 100 units, 200 units, something that's not operating really well because hotels have been hit the hardest. Yeah. But they're setting them up and getting them rezoned for multifamily. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they're able to do the pivot pretty easily. Other times, it's a little bit more of a rehab, depending on how old the, the complex is or the property is. But we're seeing that happen in a couple of places. Philadelphia, we're seeing it happen in Maryland, Colorado. Florida is really looking at that, trying to turn some of these into affordable markets for you. So that's what we're seeing and what we expect to see a whole lot of in, in 2021 for the most part. Got it.
1: Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. The college towns, unfortunately, you know, just not going to do as well today, but in the future, big major markets, mm-hmm. good population growth, cities not going away. Now's a good time to get it. And then the conversion of the office to apartments or hotels to apartments, man, the hotel guys are having it. They have it
0: rough. Well, here's the thing. There's basically saying the hotel market is you can buy hotel debt roughly right now for around twenty to thirty cents on the dollar. Wow! I just saw a Hilton Express or a, a Hilton Honors a, a portfolio. Borrow had one in San Antonio, one in Austin, one in Dallas, one in Fort Worth, and then one in Houston. And they sold the portfolio, sixteen million dollar balance for four million bucks.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh.
0: Yeah, he took a big hit on it. I mean, it's still operates uh, as a hotel. Yeah. But, but you look at cities who are then dealing with the COVID impact, so they're converting some smaller hotels into storage or quarantine for the homeless or other things.
1: Yeah,
0: whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Hey, shoot, you get a hotel at 25 cents on the dollar, you can make that profitable if you come and operate it properly or get creative with it.
1: All of a sudden, you like the building, you like the hotel a lot more. Well, and,
0: and then looking if you're at you're the that, buyer, not,
1: yeah. not the person that got it, that couldn't hold on to it. But go ahead. E-
0: exactly. But then you have financials, you see what's going on. But then your play on that is really okay, let me go to the city and say, hey, I'm willing to work with the, the increased number of residential evictions, those people that are going to get foreclosed or evicted first of the year because they can't afford their rent. Yeah. To bring them in at a number that makes sense. It's literally a market needs to be serviced.
1: Yeah, they still There's need a list housing there.
0: needs. Yeah, and while most apartment, your class A, class B's are still at a high occupant, I mean high or very low vacancy rate, high you know high occupancy rate, that leads to a huge opportunity to step in and really be able to kind of break, uh, see a need, fill a need, and fill a gap for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's uh, eye opening, man. So you're in investing all across the US, doesn't matter kind of where it is. If the numbers make sense after you do the analysis and deal kind of works, you're moving forward. And tell us a little bit about like, how does disposition work in your world? How does like selling or or do you hold or, you know, just give us a little bit of lo- yeah, illuminate so there,
0: there, this. Yeah. There's only a couple of states I don't really buy. I don't usually buy in New York or New Jersey because it takes forever to foreclose there and it's really expensive. And so, sorry. And sorry, York, sorry yeah. New sorry Jersey. guys. Better deals, you know, in other places. I don't buy in Crook County. I mean, Chicago, because it's the same thing. It's a rough area. So I try to stay in your major or secondary markets. Disposition is not too bad because one of the great things when you buy commercial debt, you have the right to take over the property. You know, you've got the right to collect rents. And so if somebody, if an operator or property owner is using a property as its own personal ATM and not paying Peter and Paul, well, that removes a lot of that motivation not to work with you. So provided that there's not a big second lien or other things behind your first, a lot of times you can step into the, the operation side of a commercial property relatively easy. And then it's just connecting with operators or management companies to help out that are experts on that so that you're not having to deal with a day in, day out operations. The a matter of just putting the right people in place, figuring out, OK, what's our time frame? Are we going to sell this at auction? Are we going to take it back? Do we want to hold on to this for a while and recharacterize it, or you know, depending on what we buy it for, it all comes down to what can we get the auction, what can we get if we sell it, or you, and a lot of times we'll even work deed and lose with a borrower so we don't have to go through the foreclosure auction and just kind of take over the property and go from there and then hold on to it for a while.
1: Ah, nice. And the ones that you're holding, maybe specific to multifamily, what are you holding on, and what what are you kind of getting in there and and doing too? So
0: I we've spent. I love Florida. I love God's waiting room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, All that's right. Awesome.
0: I like areas though, that aren't like the Miami areas. I like a little bit further up the coastline, like West Palm beach, go up to Jacksonville. I like Orlando. I think Orlando just has a huge opportunity right now for things. So we're, we're really looking at the hotel space because that hotel space has been hit hard, but we've bought multifamily there before and done really well. Cause it's, you know, you've UCF big university there, you know, within five minutes of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that works really, really well that we like is the Southwest Florida part of the country. A lot of people from New York, New Jersey, got the heck out of Dodge and flew down to that part of the, the of Florida to enjoy it. So I'm still seeing a lot of good uh, growth there, people spending long-term, you know, long time staying there. So being able to rent stuff out for a while or, or, or what also does really well, you'd be surprised about this, apartments near military bases. Because if you can get in and work with the on-site housing director for these military bases, they'll usually pay 125% above market rents and they'll handle the in and out 90 to hundred day turnover rate. They'll keep it furnished. It's almost as good as section eight. If you can bring that on the multifamily side. So those are what I like in that neck of the woods. I'm a fan of the Carolinas. I think North Carolina is just booming like crazy. South Carolina is doing really well too. You know, Oklahoma city has been a big favorite market for a lot of multifamily guys in the years. Cause yeah. of, and then Dallas, I just think those areas are a little bit too overpriced right now. I think you've got to go where there's some distress at and build your profit in by the discount that you're getting and being able to step in and I don't think the play is, hey, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to regentrify gentrify it for three years and get refinanced out. I think you need to real- realize that those refinance loans may not be around in two, three years, depending on, how, on what we end up finding out next year. And so you need to be in a spot that you need to either get taken out with private capital or really work to put your management team in place so it becomes an asset that the bank would be willing to carry the paper for you for a while. Yeah.
1: All right. All this is good insight. Thanks a lot, Scott.
0: Yeah, no problem.
1: Well, if our listeners, while we're on the topic of our listeners want to reach out to you, learn more, get on your show, potentially invest with you, et cetera, et cetera, what's the best places to go or reach you?
0: Yeah, the the, the best places, I guess, we say we go to our mothership, weclosenotes.com. That's my main website that talks about our classes. You get the podcast, the Note Closer Show. And while your guys are listening to this, do Abel a favor. He didn't tell me to do this, but hit, the, hit that subscribe button. And go ahead and leave a five-star review for him because you know he's busting ass. He is in the top five percenters of podcasts out there. And his talents, come on. He's working hard. Give him a subscribe. And we as podcasters love to see reviews. So he didn't ask me to to, to mention that. But I'm sure the check is in the mail there, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the biggest thing. Check out my website. Check out the Note Closer Show podcast. We just uh, recorded episode 650. Yesterday, we'll have Abel on our podcast here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, once he gets around to click on the link I know.
1: and reserve his spot. Hint, hint, cough, cough. I
0: mean, that, that's the big thing. I mean, you can know, also we'll see a ton of our videos and training on YouTube. So if you go to weekclosenotes.tv they'll take you directly to our YouTube channel and, and we can go from there. Yeah, you
1: could probably learn a ton, 650 shows. So this is kind of the last, you know, bit of questions that I want to head down before we got to go. Because you are a marketing machine, you guys have been pumping out a bunch of stuff. Like I said, a hundred shows this year, interviewed on hundred shows last year, six hundred and fifty of your own shows. When did this start? And tell me a little bit about this journey, because it was one.
0: So I've been doing webinars and videos for years. You know, yeah, I, th- this I, is the.
1: The old phone, you doing the videos, et well, cetera, But, et cetera, but right?
0: like go to webinar. Back, I started a go to webinar account April, 2011. Almost oh, in...
1: go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Like a webinar. Go to well, webinar. It's a true not webinar. Yeah, not yes. my phone. Okay, okay, okay.
0: And for Monday, not every Monday night, for the most part, I would do a regular webinar. It's every
1: open. Monday night,
0: uh-huh. and we still do it for the most part. We call it Note Night in America now. We rebranded it, so every Monday night we do a different webinar on topic. It's open to the audience to come on. We'll have a speaker. I'll talk about a subject. It's about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. And, and I was doing that, and I, had, I actually didn't want to do a podcast. And I was doing that, and I was doing Facebook Lives with my cell phone, just okay. starting, just sharing a little bit. Hey, what's be a fly on the wall in the office for the day? What are we focused on today in our office, yeah. with my team? And I had a buddy come to me and said listen, you should do a podcast. This is great stuff. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do all that editing. I don't have time for that. You know there's not really <laughs> our listeners don't really listen to podcasts because there's no note investing podcasts out there at the time.. Yeah. And one of my students was doing it and am like, no, you should do it Well I was like, eh, I don't want to do all the work, never mind. So six months goes by. I'm talking with my, my students that are, have the podcast and they are, they're quitting it. I'm like, why the hell are you quitting it? You did 150 episodes. And you getting these down. Yeah, we just want to go in a different direction. I'm like, okay, stupid. Uh, so <laughs> I immediately called my buddy, been trying to get me to do a podcast for yeah, you know, a year. So okay, we're ready to roll. Can you reuse? He's like, yeah, just go on Zoom, record it, and just send us the link, and we'll make you look good. I'm like, that's all I have to do. I don't have to do use. You you, we'll do the editing. We'll charge you yeah. for that. But I was yeah. like, oh, it's done. Let's do it. And. As I said, I have a marketing mindset, so every day when I wake up, it's like, okay, what am I marketing today? Who am I interviewing on my show, or what am I talking about, or whose show am I on this week? And we just write it into the schedule. We just time block our schedule for a couple of those, and it adds up over time and getting the word out. And since I'm, I'm so happy because not being able to travel this year, we just have embraced the podcast side of things. So, okay, so let me traveling to an event and seeing the same 75 people at every event. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do a podcast and, and be in front of new people every time. And that's what's been our biggest mindset and mind shift starting three years ago with that.
1: Three years for the podcast yep. and then webinars weekly Monday nights since 2011.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let me pause for anybody listening, right? If you want to know like how to do like half a billion dollars worth of anything <laughs> that there's just one just massive mindset that you guys need to have is that you need to do Exactly what you know you should do, like market every single, you know, once a week, persistent for the past nine years. Consistently, yeah. Consistently, over and over and over and over again.
0: And here's the Uh, thing, here's the thing, Abel. Every week we track, okay, how many people signed up for our webinar this week, how many people are new. We have roughly 20 to 30 new people, brand new people opt-in every week. And so that's our number one source of markets. Like we're going to get 20 new people this week by just showing up for half an hour. Just showing
1: up. Yeah. That's so amazing. And you know, it's, I don't know the right word for it, but I will tell you that it's that dedication that you had. That's why you have success. And when people ask me all the time, how how did you convert, you know, this, or how did you have success in this? And, you know, I haven't done half a billion yet, but you know, we're, we're, we're grinding. Well, you've and been consistent. Like, this thing's yeah. been starting since 2008, man. It's, yeah. It hasn't started today. I promise.
0: Exactly. Damon John from shark tank. And he yeah. says he's the token smart guy on the show, which I love, but
1: mm-hmm. I got
0: a chance to spend some time with him in San Diego to event a couple of years back. And he talked about how he would wait tables at red lobster, go home at night, Work on his clothes, line FUBU, sleep on the floor, get back up, go work a double shift at Red Lobster, come home, work on his side hustle for 7P2M. And so overnight success was like an eight-year process for yeah, him. overnight. People are just lazy. If you want to do big things, you gotta have big commitments and realize, well, you didn't have your shows didn't go viral. But no, all I wanted is all I need is one person new. Just mm-hmm. one person new, and it's worthwhile. You never know that one person is. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. So, is there anything, Scott? We didn't talk about. You know, you wanted to bring some exposure. I just didn't ask. So, anything me, at all? Me, man.
0: I have a very important question. Yes. Best breakfast taco in San Antonio. Where's the best <laughs> breakfast tacos? Because I know you like them, like I do, man.
1: I do, my friend. Well, there's a number of just good, solid quality tacos. That is in a, somewhat of a chain, but they're everywhere in San Antonio. Las Palapas.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes. And well, I'm a big fan of Pico de Gallo's tacos too, or on the north side, Tink, Tinka Taco, Tinka um,
1: Tacos, me. Tinka Taco rocks, and and so does Pico de Gallo.
0: Yeah,
1: and the thing about Las Palapas is just it's everywhere. It's, it you, is you can find it on all the. Oh, maybe- uh,
0: I'm hungry now. I gotta. I'm gonna have to drive to San Antonio. get me some Las Palapas, brother. Yeah, they're quality, <laughs>
1: quality breakfast tacos. And if that's some another of you way,
0: guys, uh, go ahead, if you want to raise capital, do a breakfast taco.
1: <laughs> oh man, unfortunately for me, if you want to you want to gain 10 more pounds, <laughs> this your, have a breakfast taco with cheese every morning, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is, put some cheese on it. And then, queso. Good. good queso, brother. That's so funny. And yes, but no. I love it, man. This has been a great conversation, Scott. Yeah. Very, very able, appreciative, man. man. I'm very appreciative of just getting into a little bit of your world and I'm look. Hopefully, we can stay good friends and kind of continue on the relationship. I'd love to follow your success, et cetera.
0: You and I will be in touch, definitely, because San Antonio is one of those markets I think in Texas is really growing rapidly, did a really good job. But I also think it's got space for Mm -hmm. a lot of things compared to like Austin, compared to Dallas, and compared to Houston. You know, if I didn't live in Austin, I'd live in San Antonio. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. But there's a lot of so much growth going on out in, on the west side of San Antonio and mm-hmm. Pelotas and all over the place. And that, so you and I will be in touch on some of these deals that we're starting to see across our our, our books and some stuff. All right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I look forward to it. Again, my name is Abel Pacheco. I am your host for the Five Talents Podcast. As Scott mentioned, if there is something today that you got some value from, which I know there was more than a few nuggets here, I uh, would encourage you, please like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, leave us a written, written review. would be awesome. And then, man, get into Scott's world. You're going to learn a ton. So I uh, thank you very much again for your time, Scott. Appreciate it.
0: Honored to be here, Abel. All right. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way, It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65-page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're gonna show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm gonna give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Let us know and we're going to send you a copy. Thank you so much for subscribing to the 5 Talents Podcast.